0: welcome to the uh the ism podcast i'm absolutely delighted to be joined by matt the uh, the director and founder of uh, polaris outdoor um who are also one of our one of our partners at ISN, um who i also did a recent uh, expedition with in, in norway um which we'll, we'll, we'll come on to later um but yeah great to, great to have you on the on the podcast matt
1: yeah thanks good to see you again max
0: cool and i think it'd be a really good good place to start will be just to just to introduce yourself you know a bit about about your background um, and sort of where you know where you got to, to where you are today. Um, yeah, and what inspired you to get into outdoor learning?
1: Yeah, good one. So um, always been outdoorsy. Uh, that's a good start, isn't it? When you when your family or, or whoever uh, take you outdoors as a, a young person. I grew up on uh, on the moors in uh, Staffordshire Moorlands and the and the Peak District. Um, but it kind of all started when I went to university. In a big way, I uh, I did a g- degree in geology with um, uh, mountain leadership. And that included uh, getting your ML, which is your Mountain Leaders Award, uh, through the BMC, which is really great training. Um, I've always uh, been into climbing and mountaineering. So that was a stage that kind of like took me to um, going abroad and doing high altitude mountains and the Himalayas and things like that. Um, fantastic enjoyment out of all that uh, kind of stuff and then with that came a few survival skills and some survival training as well and that was mostly um, kind of built around the idea that um, as a geologist people would be able to send me as a solo geologist out to remote areas and take samples or uh, make a map or just um, do the geology thing by yourself instead of sending out this like entourage of you know lots of people and maybe logistics which is more expensive so um that was a really good start I spent a few years um uh doing that and um going to remote places and getting sick and almost dying and all sorts of things so uh topped up a lot of my survival skills which was really good and um and then eventually it kind of led me actually towards education so I ended up becoming a school teacher uh, for a while, which was uh, really, really great. And um, that kind of uh, uh, led me to um, training the students in in what I did and taking them out to crazy places as well. And by the time we'd finished this in, in the education system, uh, we had lots of personal development going on. We had... Um, students with mental health and different other difficulties that we were really seeing incredible results from in their their kind of either rehabilitation or or, uh, just enjoying life, or also their academic achievement was also increasing. That then even went into things like the prison system and we were working with uh, young offenders and um, all kinds of things in that area. So for me, when that happened, it became, um, that became like the real passion of what I was doing, that this actually works in helping other people. I know it sounds cheesy, but um, I think that for for most of us, once, once human beings find something that they love doing, that they see also helps their kind of fellow people around them, uh, can really spur you on and motivate you to kind of take it to the next level.
0: Amazing. And yeah, we uh, we had quite a few discussions, didn't we, in Norway about, about some of those uh those tricky times you got yourself into when doing these expeditions. And yeah, maybe we'll touch on a few of those later on. But yeah, it's um an amazing background and uh, and journey to where you've come today. Um and, and you know, setting up Polaris outdoor, what was the sort of the main impetus around that? Obviously you you've integrated some outdoor learning while you're a teacher, was is that correct? When you when you first started out? How did how did that natural progression go from Becoming a teacher, and then to sort of really, really honing in
1: on on outdoor learning. I think it's just one of those things where um, when you when you discover something that um, has a lot of worth, and I'm not just talking about um, monetary worth. Um, well, I'm not talking about monetary worth at all, actually. But when you when you see something that has really high value um you you can have a choice in life whether to kind of you know not break the norm and and keep doing what you're doing or um the fire inside you can kind of spur you on to just take a chance and think i I really want to do that you know that's something that not only inspires me but it can inspire inspire many other people and I'll, i'll give you an example um we one of our first projects when we were working with the school students in um in education we took some kids to borneo and um we um diverted a stream in the middle of the jungle um into a village uh where there was it was the main school that kind of uh, was for the whole area these kids were walking for five hours a day sometimes to you know, come to school. So it was one school in the middle of the jungle, middle of nowhere, and they didn't have any fresh water. So we diverted a stream into the village, and then uh, we put purification systems in place and storage facilities, and and stored all this water. And it was an incredible success. Um, and the village uh, afterwards, you know, the the gratitude love that was shown there was really cool. The the students um, who were on that trip, I this was this is more than 10 years ago. It's probably about 14 years ago now that this happened. And I still get students every now and then buzz me up on Facebook or whatever and say, oh, sir, that was so amazing. I remember that and it changed my life. And it was after we'd done a couple of those where I was looking at I was kind of comparing what I was doing in the classroom. Uh, on my daily job you know getting the kids through their exams or whatever and comparing that to what I was doing outside the classroom and there was no comparison and um, for me it had to be that leap to then uh, just kind of be I've got to I've got to do this this has to be something uh, that works because of the value in it and also um, I didn't have to mark any school books after that either so that was Please that
0: that was cool. awesome. <laughs> What is, I mean, you know, taking students to to Borneo from uh, where, where were these students from? That, that sort of first trip, one of the first trips you did. They were
1: South London.
0: South London. Okay. Wow. And so how, I mean, that must have been. And you know, how, how many how many students from that trip? Was it a, a large group or? It was fifteen of them. Yeah, to start okay. off with. All right. And and how how did they transition to becoming? Or how did you prepare them to to sort of go into such a. A remote environment for them. I mean, maybe some of them had never even left left the UK or, or Europe, but um, I mean, that must have been quite a shock for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, it wasn't for these because what these group this group had uh, just spent three years in training with me. So, um, one of the really cool things that happened with Polaris or the development of it is that the whole program was tried and tested inside the school system. Um And so, you know, when it fits into uh, key case studies for different subjects or to pastoral care or to whatever that a school can can put out, attaching the outdoor education system or growing it inside the school was absolute dynamite to kind of having a recipe for success. So these students, before they went to Borneo, they did a survival training course with us. And then they'd go on a smaller expedition. One was a sea kayaking expedition around the coast of Cornwall, which is on our website. And then they'd come back and do a second training course, which would build on the first. And then we'd take them to the Arctic and they'd do a cold, a cold weather, you know, minus 25, minus 30 degrees, which is uh, something that you and I uh, have been on together. They'll do that. And then they'll come back and do a jungle training course. And then we'll take them to Borneo. So by the time we were taking them to kind of the more um, technically and also kind of like when it comes to keeping yourself healthy jungles are one of the hardest places to do that in. Cause you know, you could have whatever germs on your fingers and you just touch your eyes or your mouth and you're going to, you're going to get sick, you get dysentery. You can be in really big trouble if um, you're not um, being sanitary and looking after yourself properly. So there's a huge amount of discipline uh, that goes into running a trip like that successfully, especially when you're not doing anything touristy, when it's completely off-grid, when it's completely out in the remote, which is what we were doing with these students. The risk, I mean, the risk assessments for these were massive, but um, by the time you get to this point, the students are doing their own risk assessments because they know how to do them and they know how to operate safely and really effectively. So uh, the last example with that is, We dumped those students after they did that uh, water project. We dumped them on a deserted tropical island because the chief of that village owned an island off the coast and he let us use it. And we dumped the kids there for five days and they were trapping and hunting and fishing, building housing, lighting fires, looking after sanitation. It was it was an unbelievable experience. In the end, we even um, we built rafts and we escaped the island kind of like castaway style like tom hanks did and uh, that was a really cool activity and um just a brilliant end to the the whole trip
0: amazing and obviously aside from the you know the physical um challenge of taking students kids on these kind of adventures um what's the sort of the the wider benefits that that you want to instill in them because i mean yeah like you know we, we touched on the norway trip um, which we'll go into yeah. a bit later um or even the you know the part 2 session um you know it was it was a very holistic it was a really really fascinating experience to see you know even for myself to, to sort of think about you know personal development and and how you can um think about you know how you are are you resilient you know when you think you've you know maxed out your your energy or whatever you're probably only half your, your tank is only half full so you've got all these these skills that you can tap into that that don't necessarily come to light in normal everyday situations so What is it about these expeditions that makes it special for students?
1: I think, I think, um, one, you, you're definitely taking them out of their comfort zone, um, in a school within reason. I mean, me, for example, at school, I was a very average student. I, um, I wasn't gifted. I wasn't in the bottom groups, but I was somewhere in the middle. And I, I, I never really put a lot of effort into school. Um, I did enjoy it, but I enjoyed it because of my friendship groups. I didn't enjoy it because of any particular sub. I was, you know, really passionate or kind of like, you know, in love with, if you like. Um, and one of the, and, and anybody can do that in school, you know, a, a lot of people, when you say something like that, a lot of people can relate to the fact, like, yeah, I went to school and, you know, it was, it was okay. Whereas in the environment, we're working in we can take a student and we can force them completely out of their comfort zone and say right we're going to give you some skills and we want you to believe in yourself uh, once you've got these skills and then operate outside of your comfort zone and that can be completely and utterly changing to a young person especially a young person who maybe is, you know, on the average or below average academically, academically strong uh, young people, they really stand out to. T- you and I both know that, um, that they can, they have the ability to do that, but it's easy to drift under the radar. So um, these students, that they gain a, a much higher power in uh, competence, uh, confidence, um the ability to thrive on change and complexity uh the ability to achieve more with less um and the tenacity and the growth that comes out of that um it's kind of like almost um taking a booster to what you would have in a normal academic situation you're really pushing and accelerating their Personal, uh, attributes to a higher level much more quickly mm. and part of it's because of the resistance and the difficulty that you're actually putting them through um not that you know it's not that uh, may sound torturous <laughs> uh that's not the um that's not the intention but what you want to what you want um all young people to understand is that um if you can thrive um in complex environments and you have to use multiple skills simultaneously you become a very powerful individual and that power allows you to be confident but it also allows you to um, grow your personal happiness as well because when you're confident in different environments the stress levels are lower uh, your enjoyment is higher and so therefore as an individual you become a happier person and what we've Actually, in the school, um, was we were, we were comparing the students on the outdoor program um, to students of similar ac- academic ability who were not on any outdoor program, and we were noticing vast improvements, up to thirty uh, percent higher academic achievement over a number of you know two to three years, uh, because of the connection that they made between personal enjoyment um on these trips and activities to their unity with the school itself and the school environment and the education environment. So students became more self-connected and self-confident about you know being in the corridors. The kids after the Borneo trip, um, you know, I'd see I'd pass them in the corridor and you'd get a look off the student like, yes, like we did that. And that lasted, that never, it never went away. It, um, you know, those, those students went from year 10 to 11, 12, 13, all the way through their school life. There were those moments of we did that and that was awesome. Uh, just like I said, you know, they still contact, contact me today, and we still have a a good talk about those kinds of things. Hmm. Uh, so the value, the value is, um, it's not just incredible. It's actually measurable. And I love that as a teacher. I really, I really dig that. It's very cool stuff. That's just, yeah. It's
0: going to be one of my, one of my next questions, actually, but just before we move on to, on to that, it'd be great to hear maybe a bit about some of the, I mean, it all sounds absolutely you know, unbelievable, but it must come with it. Huge challenges as well. Um, have there been any particular challenges that that you've come across that you've um, yeah. That have been particularly, particularly difficult or anything that stands out um, from, from these expeditions that you've been taking for many years now? Um,
1: I mean, I think, um, there's always the safety side of everything, which, you know, you need to, uh, it's really important that you get that right. Hmm. Um, and I think at first, one thing that I started when I first started doing these kinds of things, I, I really took on my own shoulders, uh, the entire safety aspect of this where I'd go and uh, recce, the sites we were going to, I'd do the full risk assessment. But as the students became super comp- competent or what they were doing, I would include them in the risk assessment as well. So I'd be like, well, what do you guys think of this? And mm. instead of having one head just kind of like trying to work something out, you've now got, um you know, 10 or 15 heads all working together. Um, so safe- safety is always key. But um, if you look at the Duke of Edinburgh um, award scheme, um, they have uh, their risk assessment stuff. And there's a, a nice quote that I always remembered from that, which was, um, our intention is to not eliminate all risk. And I think that's really important that we as growing individuals in, a, in an ever-changing world, you know, today's world is far more complex than it's ever been in probably history. Um, you don't want to eliminate risk. You want to um, have a suitable amount of risk um, that you can then learn to deal with. And that's where a lot of the growth comes from. Mm. Uh, And I think the balance of that is the difficult thing to get right. Uh, Because you don't want to jump off a boat onto a beach and be surrounded by 15 crocodiles. Mm. Um, But at the same time, if you know how to deal with a crocodile you know, in a, in an appropriate way in the wild, then that could be a risk that you could actually manage. Um, so that risk level is is um, it's always a really interesting subject to talk about. And of course, then when you're on an expedition, um, you don't you don't know really, or you can't control all all aspects of it. And I'll, I'll give you a great example, actually. Yeah, so the story relating uh to this actually is that um when we were coming off our deserted tropical island, um we had a big boat waiting out for us on the water. And we were in a smaller motor boat that went out to it from the shallows. And um as soon as the small boat got out of the bay, it tipped over and and uh seven or eight kids ended up in the water. How deep and, was it? Was um... this deep water or was it what was the it was probably about, um, 10 meters deep. So, okay. you know, they had to swim Yes, yeah, plenty <laughs> deep and they had to swim to the main boat and they, and they got in the main boat. But the issue was, uh, our small motorboat had now gone to the bottom cause it sank and, uh, half the team, including myself, was still on the Island. And I'm kind of like looking through my binoculars at all these kids in the water thinking, Oh no, you know, um, and it was quite <laughs> it was quite an interesting situation, and um, the kids were all you know they had the appropriate PPE on and everything was absolutely fine, uh, but the boat was at the bottom. Anyway, um, within a, f- uh, a short amount of time, um, some Bajau fishermen uh, went past in, in their boat, and our Bornean guides, of course, they're local and they speak the language. They asked them if they could help, and it was it was an incredible scene to watch these Bajau. Dive down um, with um, empty plastic bottles and they had a, they had a water, um, sorry, they had an airport uh, boat. Um, yeah. So these, boat. these badger, they had the, these bottles and they filled them with air at the bottom. Like they swam down to the very bottom, filled them with air, tied them to the, uh, our motorboat. Um, but yeah. These, the badger raised our boat from the bottom and mm-hmm. um, with, with the, these incredible skills. And it was an amazing thing to watch yeah um the take back from that experience was quite interesting because um the students they learn a really powerful lesson that day that um even if things go what what seemed at the moment really quite badly wrong there was always a way to solve the problem and we had great conversations about it afterwards Mm -hmm. and then we related that only a verbal kind of um situation but we related to that, that What happened that day to uh, what they could do in their own lives to start to change their situations at home or at school how they could take advantage of the environment around them and implement different things to kind of make sure that they could then cope with any out of the blue challenges that would then come their way Mm. and there was a great deal of learning from that experience I mean I learned tons just watching that happen Mm. but when you then start to really kind of mull it over and relate that to your own personal development as an individual it really makes you ask you some deep personal questions about who you are and where you're going and where you want to be and how are you going to get there
0: Mm. and and
1: how how does it you know how do you measure
0: success on on a trip so you've got 15 kids taken to Borneo have this incredible experience um and how you know Obviously, yeah, on the trip to Norway, we had like a really interesting personal development pack um that they all had to fill out. Um so how how has that evolved? How has that process of seeing how the impact of these trips has had on these kids evolved over over the time that you've been doing these trips?
1: Yeah, good question. And that kind of like that leads directly off what I just said. Um, you know, we would sit around a campfire in the middle of the jungle and we talk about um goal setting or we talk about change. Um and I think to begin with, when I was a teacher, um, I wasn't really that worried about measuring that change in a in a very kind of physical way. But um, later on, I was like, um, we should all write about this. And to start off with, it, ju- it just started with um, journaling. It just started with diary entries. And I would give the students just a standard blank notebook and a pen um a waterproof one which was really cool (laughs) uh and they would just they would just write a journal or a story about uh the truth of you know what happened to them in the jungle and and then it started to kind of get more um more in depth and there was kind of like projection towards um the future um and and what kind of a person you'd want to be so in the end um, we ended up with, with this, um, which is um, a, a personal development book that we now use. And we've got different personal development um, books for different experiences that we provide. And that includes um, service. So they have to help one another on different teams. Uh, it includes um, reflecting on your day, it includes uh, anecdotal stuff that just to get them to think about things outside of the box relating to what they're doing at that, uh, in that day, t- that day or that moment. And then um, doing lots of kind of self-assessment. Um, and then towards the end of their experience, whether it's a week away or whatever, they start goal setting. So they don't do it straight away because you want them to enjoy and immerse and just kind of, experience the incredible place they're in but after a while we say right um you've discovered that you're not very good at this what are you going to do about it and they they start setting goals and um we've had incredible feedback from families saying my little johnny he keeps his room perfectly tidy and he does the washing up i mean they don't turn into like saints overnight but um um we do we do get really strong feedback from families about the self-discipline that improves. And also, uh, in today's world, we get a lot of, um, "Oh, uh, my kid is um, they've got a hobby, and they're not they're not doing so much screen time." And I, I really like that side of it as well that you the waste of time that you can just spend scrolling on yeah. screens. I know that you and I have talked about this when we were on the trip and it's, it's got massive value to recognize that problem that we have in society, the addiction to screen time, a kind of pointless screen time, which a lot of it can be. Yeah. And then the, uh, the benefit of instead being, um, alert to your surroundings, whether that is in the jungle or whether it's just on your own street um it doesn't matter but that alertness and that kind of like cognitive processing that happens of just looking up and asking questions about an environment that you're in
0: absolutely yeah i mean it's scary how many i mean hundreds of hours you seem to waste or technically you do waste in in a year by just mindlessly scrolling and if that if that energy was put you know even half of that energy was put elsewhere or was put into doing something productive then um yeah that the the learning gap could be could be much much slimmer as well couldn't it um for students but yeah it's um it's a fascinating topic and and it, my final question for for this part one discussion is there are there any students that really stick out for you um that have made a really quite significant impact I know what you mentioned you mentioned a couple of students that have come back to you and said you know I'd like to, to work with you I got it so inspired I'd like to to, to be a part of, of of the kind of experience that you create for students um, is there any any students that really stand out for you?
1: Yeah, well, funny enough, actually, if you go on our website and you look at our staff team, uh, one of our staff is called Shane, and Shane was uh, my student in geography, and I taught him from year seven all the way to year eleven, and um, Shane was very much um, a me when I when I look at when I look at him in the classroom. Um, very average student um kind of kept his head down at school had a couple of friends but wasn't uh popular had a bit of a like an awkwardness about him um shane went on to be uh to be one of the youngest uh qualified uh, survival experts in the uk on the hardest and top qualification for outdoor uh survival and bushcraft skills and he's now a 24, 24 year old um self employed uh bushcraft expert he's he is absolutely brilliant and it's not just the fact that he's gained a lot of knowledge on uh in that kind of subject area and that he's good at it and he is very knowledgeable and he is very good at it well, yeah shane has, shane has also become uh, an outstanding teacher as well. And, and that's why we then hired him um, back again afterwards. And uh, one of the really cool things about uh, this company is that we get, we get a lot of uh, students who come to us for work experience. And then if they're serious about this kind of new world that they've discovered, this new opportunity, they'll, they'll say, I want to do, and uh, um, I'll say, okay, what's your specialism and then I'll send I'll give them some uh, ideas uh, and I'll say go um go to South Africa for a year go to go to the USA for a year go get some training go get some experience and then come back and we'll then give you more experience and training and then if you're good enough you can rub shoulders with uh, world-class practitioners and um Shane is the proof of the pudding because from year seven to a 24 year old, uh, young man. So, you know, 10, 11, 12 years of his life, he immersed himself in a new opportunity and a new passion. And with his hard work and his determination, he's truly reaped the rewards of that. Um, he's a self-employed, super strong, uh, individual in many, many different ways. And, um, I mean, that's what we get our kicks out of, you know, as teachers, seeing uh, young people uh, turn into brilliant uh, individuals. And he's definitely the proof of the pudding with that. And I
0: imagine, you know, that that learning is going to um, translate to other subjects as well. It's not just going to impact their sort of confidence, but that instilling of of empowerment and um, and strength and all that sort of thing can can help right the way across all the different subjects within the curriculum. Right. Um,
1: yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, it it really does, and it I think that outdoor education in that way it develops the person as a whole, and not just you know kind of subject by subject in in uh, in the school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know we Shane we've had many students who have now um, who are ma- kind of maturing and say we, we want to work with Polaris, and you know we like a career in this. And we take them on for work experience. We train them up um, to be good and not just good practitioners, but to be good teachers. And um, that's kind of one of the key things for us. We've had lots of uh, really good bushcrafters uh, want to work with us. But um, just because you're good at bushcraft doesn't mean that you can necessarily download that into somebody else Mm. and give them not just the knowledge, but also the passion as well. And that's what a good teacher can do. A good teacher can inspire um, that learning to be self um, kind of perpetuated going forwards. Mm -hmm. And Shane and some of the other young people who were kind of um, homegrown within the company, then they're they're growing that uh, teaching and learning ability so that, um, you know, they're good with people. They're, They're confident speakers in public they hold themselves in a way that people look at them and think, I want to kind of, I want to know that person a little bit. You know, they've got a confidence about them. It's not a loud confidence. It's just a kind of, uh, they stand up tall and they look you in the eye and um, a lot of their peers surrounding, especially when they were younger, they'd have trouble doing that. But after you've had a few really crazy outdoor experiences um, in different places, Yeah, I I can cope with this. I can I can operate in the world, and I can do it successfully with a smile on my face.
0: And I imagine it's also very impactful for because you also run these courses for for teachers and leadership teams as well, don't you? Not only students. um So I can imagine that's quite an empowering, uh, interesting experience uh, taking a group of teachers and and senior leaders on these on these trips too.
1: Yeah, that's right. Some some of us in the company we've done teacher training. Um, poor teachers in schools. And so um, we we often take teachers out and do fun activities, which um, teach them a really valuable skill, but also related to their teaching practice and um, things like, um, are you noticing this type of student or what kind of bad habits do you have in the classroom that you could maybe get rid of? And just refining your teaching practice so that you're a more effective teacher on a daily basis.
0: Fantastic. I think I think what Polaris do, what you've built is um, is incredible, and especially personally as well. I found, obviously, yeah, we'll touch on on the Norway trip in, in much more detail um, in in the second uh, part of the chat. But um, I just found it super inspiring, getting completely out of my comfort zone. I was one of those students that was pretty average, kept my head down, um, and I think if I'd have had this opportunity when I was a when I was a kid or a young teenager, you know, it could have you know, it accelerated that growth, because um, that's where I found when I grew, when I was when I pushed myself out of my comfort zone after graduating in the real world of work. Um, but that could probably have been expedited, I suppose, at a younger age. Um, but yeah, no, that's incredible. Thanks for thanks for joining us for the the first chat, Matt. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to the the second part when we can dive into the into the Norway expedition in much more depth.
1: Yeah, thanks, Max. Good to see you again.